closer to his coming. And that's enough to rejoice and be glad. So like the song says, we better get our house in order. Thank you, choir. You've been a blessing to me thus far. Praise God for your ministry. So I want you to repeat after me. There's no place like this place. So this must be the place. Okay, there's no place. I want you to say it with conviction. There's no place like this place. So this must be the place. Okay, listen, Abundant Life, this is going to be the place for the whole month of March. You've got to be here, and you've got to bring a friend. Amen? Because, listen, a lot of us, we know the word of truth. It's the ones that don't know the truth that need the truth. Amen? Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. And if we want to be wheat, amen, useful in God's kingdom, building the kingdom of God, we need to reach out to our neighbors. Amen? Our co-workers. Amen? Our friends at school, young people. This is for you, actually, young people. Amen? We're, try we're, we, we, we're reaching out to young people, youth and young adults, if you please. So please, 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 I want you to fill the empty spaces in the room. Amen? Amen. Now, I just want to forecast what's coming to you all this week. Tonight, the topic will be the two gates. On tomorrow night, the topic will be knowing your worth. On Monday, the topic will be letting go of Egypt. Letting go of Egypt. And just to, you know, give you a little bit about knowing your worth, you got to know who you are and whose you are in order to know how valuable you are. Amen, somebody. And letting go of Egypt just talks about fighting temptations. Amen, somebody. And then on Tuesday night, you don't want to miss Tuesday night. It's sex and the city. It's going to be a heavy topic. We're going to be talking about sex in the city. All right, somebody. And then on Wednesday, making a comeback. Making a comeback. And on Friday, being a friend of God. So I don't want you to miss one night. I don't want you to miss one night. They're all going to be, and listen, it's not because of me and, you know, a performance that I can do, but it's, it's all on what the Holy Spirit has given and shared to me, and I'd like to share to others so that they can, can be saved and, and they, can, they can grab hold and experience God. And the whole week, actually, the, the theme of the week is encountering God. So, I want you to bring somebody. Amen? I, I echo the pastor. Bring somebody. Let's fill the pews. All right? Let's let every night be a hot night. Amen? So, without further ado, 
Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. is the truth, nothing more. Interesting video. Now, let's pray first of all. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you may speak through me in the name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. In the movie, The Matrix, Neo, the main character, was given two choices that either he took the blue pill, which was the easy road, and if he took the blue pill, he would wake up on his couch and wouldn't remember a thing. And he would continue living life as usual, headed nowhere and eventually perish in obscurity. His second choice was the red pill. By choosing this pill, he would have to give up a life that was comfortable, for a life that would have its fair share of difficulties, however, this life would be meaningful. In Matthew 7, it's not working. In Matthew 7, verses, 13, the Bible says, 
enter the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Jesus may not have had a red pill in his hand or a blue pill in his left for us to choose. However, he does give us two gates. He says choose, which informs me that in this world there are just two destinations for us all. Two destinies, or they're just two sides to pick from. There's no middle ground, huh? There's no such thing as neutral. It's either good or evil. It's either Christ or Satan, light or darkness, life or death. Enter by the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. These words are Christ's words and, and it comes after a powerful sermon. You know about the Sermon on the Mount huh? where he teaches us about the Beatitudes. Hmm? He teaches us about being salt and light and how we ought to be, uh, uh, we, not, we, we ought not to hide our lights under a bush, oh no, huh? but we ought to let our light so shine, amen? He teaches us about topics such as marriage. If you look at a woman, he says, just look at a woman lustfully, you are worth, you, you are committing adultery. He talks about loving our enemies, going the extra mile, not judging each other. And he, he talks about how to fast and how to pray. Then he finishes off his sermon, amen, with an appeal, the appeal of the two gates. He says, enter, enter, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. We're talking about the two gates this evening. He says, listen, listen up, people, young people. It's decision time. It's time to choose your destiny. Either you walk through this gate, the narrow gate, or one, or, 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 or you, uh, you walk through the wider one. But he's saying, look, this narrow gate is the right one. And as I was reading this text, I can almost hear Jesus. For instance, and also, when he's telling us to enter the gate, he's speaking with a special knowledge, like, like he knows something. You know, I'm reminded of when I was at Oakwood, and when I was registering for classes, 
You know, there was a student worker there in the registrar's office, and I was giving her my paper with all my, you know, classes in, and she said, look, look, mm -mm, you do not want to take this class with this teacher. It's like she had a knowledge, an experience, a first-hand knowledge of what I would go through. So she said, listen, listen, take this class with this teacher and you'll be all right. And it's the same way with Jesus, with enter the gate. He's saying the same thing. My Bible tells me uh, that, he's, tell that, that he's, he's, he's alpha and he's omega. He knows the beginning from the end. So he knows, he has a first-hand knowledge of what each gate entails. He knows the destiny for each gate. So he's with, con with, 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 with uh, emphasis, he's saying, enter this gate. He knows exactly how it will end. He knows exactly how it will begin and how it will end. It wouldn't be like the movie Independence Day, hmm? where Will Smith's character comes in and he saves the world from total destruction huh? and, and annihilation from these aliens. You see, all these movies that we watch, like Independence Day and the, like Armageddon, you know, where Bruce Willis' character, when, when a meteor was coming straight to Earth, he, was, him, he and his team were able to, to save the Earth. Huh? It was the great Armageddon. And what these, these, these movies tell us is that human will and intelligence will determine the world's destiny, in other words. Also, we find in, in 2011, 2012, you remember that movie? Huh? Where, where this scientist predicts this Mayan uh, prophecy and how the world or some of the people in the world are saved are, are from these big, huge ships they call arcs. Again, the world is saved through human will and human ingenuity. Huh? And what does that tell me? that these movies are pumping our minds with garbage, and this garbage is coming straight from the enemy. Huh? I think that Satan is behind all of these movies because he wants humanity to believe that with just some human will, some human smarts, we can take on God and the destiny of earth. We can reverse what the Bible says. And it is just that, it is just that, that he does, uh, that, that he does in, in Revelations 20, amen, where he tries to take the new Jerusalem, huh, where he, he and the, the, the resurrected wicked try and he deceives the wicked into thinking that he could take on God, hmm. The devil is a liar, amen? God knows the end from the beginning, amen? He knows how it, how, uh, where, he knows how it will end for you, or he, and he knows how it will begin with you, and he urges us to choose the narrow gate. Now, 
What is the narrow gate? Well, in verse 14, we learn three things about this narrow gate or straight gate. For one, Jesus says that this gate leads to what? So right there or right here is an indication that it is a life and death situation. This is not just, you know, any choice, you know, uh, green M&Ms versus red M&Ms or those jeans with that or that skirt. This is not, you know, uh, 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 you know a, a meaningless choice, but this choice is a choice for life or death. And what's more, when Jesus says, enter the straight gate, he uses this, this word, esel fete, which is an aorist active imperative. It's a command. In other words, he's shouting it. He's not just asking. He's shouting it. Listen, I know what's behind gate number two. Choose gate number one. Oh, listen. It's just like this story of this farmer. You know, in May, or on May 3rd, 1999, in Oklahoma City, you know, the farmer woke up and was doing his normal duties, you know, tilling the ground and, you know, going about his usual business. You know, he didn't really notice, however, that in the sky, I mean, the, the sky was darker than normal. And to his uh, surprise, actually, no, his wife, who was paying attention to the weather channel that day, saw that in their area, there was going, there, I mean, they were, they were to experience the worst storm in Oklahoma City. A massive tornado was about to, or was, was looming just above them and was about to touch down. So she calls her husband and, and he, he feels his phone vibrating. So he answers and, he, and she says, listen, run for cover run for cover. And the man had two choices. He could have either, you know, said, listen, listen, wife, please, please calm down, take it easy, just explain yourself. Or two, he could have heeded the, the voice of his wife and run for cover. And guess what he does? He runs for cover, because he recognizes in his wife's voice the urgency of the matter. So he jumps off of his tractor and he runs for cover and to come to find out after the storm and the dust had settled, guess what happened? His tractor wrapped straight around a pole. Can you imagine? That could have been him. That could have been him. Had he not 
heeded to the warning, the urgency of his wife's voice. He could have been destroyed in this tornado. And isn't that like God? When he says, listen, enter the gates. Enter through the straight gates. It's, there's an urgency in his voice. He's not saying it calmly. He knows what's to come. I talked about the harvest today. The harvest is coming. And so he's telling us, listen, it's urgent. It's a, it's a, it's a life or death situation. Enter the straight gate. Secondly, Jesus calls it straight. The translation for the word straight in the Greek pretty much connotes that this gate is so narrow that you have to practically walk upright and sideways in order to get through the gate. In other words, there are a lot of things that you won't be able to carry through the gates to eternal life. Are you hearing me out there? But unfortunately, we have been deluded or deceived into thinking that we could bring a whole lot of luggage to heaven. We think that we can bring our hateful heart. We think that we can bring our jealous heart, the love of money and material things. Huh? We think that we can bring our bad attitudes to, to, to glory, our grudging, unforgiving hearts, our lying tongues, our gossiping tongue, our disrespectful, rude heart, our need for popularity and the need to fit in. We think that we can bring that to glory, our love for alcohol, drugs, and tobacco. You know, some of you may think, well, I don't, mm -mm. but it's in the church. Some of us may think that we can bring our conceitedness, our perverted cursing tongue, our sexual addictions, it's rampant in the church, sex outside of marriage, adultery, it's all in God's church. We think that we can bring these things to, to, to glory or, or through the narrow gate. Self-righteousness. Huh? We think that we could bring our self-righteous critical heart into glory. We think that we could bring our friends. Some of us, you know, we're waiting on our friends. We're, we're even waiting on our family. Oh, you know, and, and we're waiting on our wives. We're letting our wives and our husbands keep us back from the kingdom, but what does the Bible say? If anyone comes to me and does not what? Brother and sisters, yes, and his own life as also. He cannot be my disciple, and whoever does not bear what? His cross 
and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Unless after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? Going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes again with him 20,000. Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not, what, forsake all he has or he, forgive me, all that he has, I can't see very well, I need my glasses, cannot be what? Cannot be my disciple. Now when Jesus uses the word hate, right? Because some people might say, well, that's kind of harsh. Why is Jesus asking me to hate my family members? Huh? Jesus uses the word hate, but he is not using it in the way we think, huh? Like the sentiments of hostility or animosity, he wants you to hate your wife, no. That's contradictory. No, what he is referring to here is of ranking or affection. Because in Genesis 20, you remember Rachel versus Le uh, 29, Rachel versus Leah, it says in verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And he went, and this is just for context, this is before, and he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved uh, also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet even other, other years. In other words, it's showing that he's, there's, there's preferential treatment. Are you hearing me or are you understanding me? When God says, hate your brother or hate your mother or our father, he's saying, listen, no, 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 I come first. I must come first. When it comes to family, he must come first. Amen, somebody. When it comes to friends, huh, young people, God must come first. When it comes to boyfriends and girlfriends, God must come first. When it comes to uh, your favorite activities like, like ballet, jazz, or hip-hop uh, hip dance and now, nowadays, or choir practice, basketball, I remember when I was in school, that was my favorite thing in the world. And they used to have tournaments on Sabbath. But I had to determine, do I love my basketball more than I love my God? God must come first. You must forsake all, the Bible says, to enter the straight gate. Not only does he come first, but he also talks about counting the cost. Amen, somebody. It's not enough just to say you are a Christian. Huh? Being a Christian costs something. It costs, you got to give up some things now. Amen, somebody. Being a part of any organization costs something. Did you know that it costs some things to be in a gang? 
Huh? It costs some things to be in an organization and even in a gang. Huh? You think you're getting involved in something fun and exciting and, and something that would be, you know, uh, uh, you can form relationships with people because you feel left out. But it costs something to be in a gang. You know, there are 10 things or 10 top things, I should say, to be in the Crips or the Bloods. They have this thing called the blood in. And what the blood in entails is that you have to shoot some random person and kill them in order to be a part of their organization. That costs you your conscience. You have to live with that for the rest of your life. The next thing, I'm only giving you four, not 10. Copped in, you have to kill a cop in order to be a part of a gang. You also have to be uh, 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 playing Russian roulette where you take a gun, and I'm not saying, I'm not using this figuratively. I'm using this, you know, this is an actual, actual initiation. You have to take the gun and literally roll the barrel and point to your head. It costs your life. It could potentially cost your life. And God help us. It's, there's a, another initiation called sexting, where young girls, in order for, for them to be in the gang, have to subject themselves to being gang raped in order to be initiated in a gang. It costs your dignity. Are you hearing me out there? Being in any organization costs something. Some, some things. Being in the devil's organization always costs your dignity, your self-respect. It always costs your virtue, your freedom. huh? Because if you kill a cop and they catch you, you're in for life or huh, you could possibly be executed. So your freedoms, you're sacrificing your freedoms. You sacrifice your life as well. And ultimately, your destruction will come. Let me tell you, I think it's best to join God's gang, amen? amen. Because he won't ask you to kill somebody, to be a member, amen, somebody. He won't ask you to subject yourself to being misused and abused. He won't demand that you take foolish risks, ruining your life for him. But all he's asking us to do is enter the straight gate, the narrow gate. Walk through the narrow gate. But unfortunately, like it says there, there are few who find it. In other words, you know, there's not many of us seeking to go through this gate. There's a lot of us seeking to go the common route to destruction. Now, there are some things that we find about the wide gate in the Bible. It says the wide gate is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are two things we learn about the wide gate. Just by looking at the text in depth, the first thing we learn about this particular gate is, number one, it's wide. <laughs> Duh. 
<laughs> and but what it tells us about the straight gate, it tells us that it connotes that there is a degree of difficulty getting through this gate, the straight gate, because we have to give up some things. I already went over that. The wide gate suggests the total opposite. What does that say? It says the wide gate is what? It's the comfortable gate. Amen. It is uh, uh, the gate that doesn't require you to make, you know, some moral sacrifices. It's the gate that, that everyone passes through. It's unconstrained. There are no, there are no uh, limits. You know, there's, no, there's no barriers. There's no, what is the word I'm looking for? Boundaries, thank you very much. There's no pressure either. You could do whatever you want to do. You could bring your baggage. Everything fits, huh? And anything goes. It's the easy way. It's the popular gate. But I have to tell you that just because it's the easy way doesn't mean that it's right, amen? There's a story of this young lady, you know, I call her Gwendolyn. And Gwendolyn was asked by her mother because her mother was on her way to the marketplace to do the dishes. So Gwendolyn looked at the dishes and she saw that the dishes, were, there was practically no dishes in the sink. And so she was rejoicing in herself. And she was saying, yes, I could just quickly, you know, do whatever and I could, you know, go outside and play and do whatever I want. So her mother goes to the market and, and Gwendolyn gets finished and done with these dishes and she's outside. So now when her mother returns now with the grocery and whatever and she wants to, you know, get started on supper, she notices the floor and the floor is dirty and dusty. She notices that the countertops are filthy. Yes, she did the dishes, but she didn't do the kitchen. And what, when, when your mother tells you to do the dishes, what does that normally mean? The whole kitchen. So then she calls Gwendolyn and she tells Gwendolyn, come in now, come in right now. Get your butt in here right now. In fact, go get a switch. And of course, you know, Gwendolyn uh, suffered some things <laughs> due to not doing what her mother required. She experienced pain because she took the easy way out. Are you hearing me out there? Huh? Her quick and easy work led to her bru bruised hiney. Amen, somebody. Which leads me to the next point. The wide and easy gate leads to what? Her behind was destroyed that day. The wide and easy gate leads to, the, to, to destruction. And yes, this, is, this way is easy and it's always popular, but the wide gate leads straight to our doom. Huh? You might be having fun doing what you're doing, partying, hmm? 
doing like what you like to do, uh, you know, with your friends, when you smoke weed, cigarettes, drinking. But guess what? Eventually, it leads to your destruction. Now, right after Jesus urges us to enter the straight gate, and he contrasts the two different gates, he follows that by saying in chapter 16 to 20, he says, beware of what? who come to you in what? Sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their what? We talked about fruit this morning, right? Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good, good tree bears what? But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. It sounds like Jesus is rapping. And thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, what? You will know them. You know, I was reading through this text, and I was saying that the immediate context of this scripture or this text is that Jesus is referring to those lying preachers. Am I right about it? Or those lying ministers who speak lies and deceit, filling our heads with foolishness. Huh? Truth bundled up in error. And I thought about, you know, the Benny Hinn's and how he likes to, he likes to sell the holy hankies, you know, you know, through the mail and, and charge the poor people, sucking the poor people dry of their funds, yeah. you know, selling the, the holy water, you know. But then I thought, you know, a lot of the young people are not being uh, deceived by Benny Hinn. They're being deceived by something else, another sort of false prophet. You know, I looked up the word false prophet, and what it just means is a spokesperson, a mouthpiece. And I thought to myself, now what would young people, I mean, what, what prophets would, would young people be led astray by? Not the Benny Hens, because they're not too interested in Benny Hinn. But what are, they, what are they being interested in? You know, and God led me to a YouTube clip, because I like YouTube, you know? And uh, anyway, this is what I found. Kanye West, a hip-hop mogul. Look at what he says. Look, and it really floored me. It says, hip-hop is what? to a, a certain extent, and the rappers are the what? The music are the? And his concerts are church services. They wave their hands in the air, participate in singing the songs with me, they cry, they rejoice, they pay their money. It is church. Huh? I don't know about you, but that just, that struck me right here. This is what our young people are, are, are being fed. This is their church. These are their prophets. 
mouthpiece. He's a mouthpiece. He calls himself a preacher. He's a rapper. And check this out. KRS-One, that's back in, well, my day? No, 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 wait a minute. My day, let me, I don't want to date myself too much. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't go that far back. <laughs> but KRS-One, he says hip-hop is what? Divine. We are not just rapping. This is divine speech we give. And that's why when, we, when you say I am criminal-minded, you attract that to you. Powerful. And look at this. Erica Badu. Oh, and this, oh, this floored me. She said, even if I don't have a particular religion, uh, religion, I acknowledge a higher power, of course. Whatever the title of the, the, name is, the name is, doesn't matter to me. I acknowledge the worship of the thing. Hip hop is worship more than anything. I see when I go all over the world, people pray to different gods and pray to different things and pray at different times, and we all get that same feeling inside of us when we hear the music. We are all, or we all are inspired to do something, to move, to change, to do something. She repeats herself. That's what religion does to us. So hip-hop is the biggest one. They all have the same dress, huh? They all have the same head nod. You see them all do that, right? They all talk the same way. Swag and my swag on, you know. What are all these prophets, false prophets, or these preachers teaching us, young people? I'm including, in my, I'm including myself. Eminem says, little kids want to swear just like me. Running around screaming, I don't care just like me. Meaning the I don't care is the indifference that they have. They have an indifferent attitude in this generation. I don't think I was put, I, I think I was put to annoy the world and destroy your little four-year-old boy or girl. That's in a lyric of his. Kanye West, I sold my soul to the devil. I know he's a crack dealer. He's a king with a few toys like a happy meal in his lyrics. And this girl right here, she becomes possessed by her misfit, violent, alter ego, Roman. Have you ever heard of her Roman's revenge or whatever? Have you seen the American Awards? Yeah. Where she, anyway, I don't even want to describe it. I'm afraid. He raps through her, she says. She says that the words flow out of her mouth to the point where she can't even compute. So in other words, she's, she is admitting that she's possessed yeah. by some demon called Roman that gives her her flows. Because honestly, have you ever listened to her? You know, I'm like, how can somebody talk that fast? What are you saying, you know? And if you read the, the, the manuscripts of the lyrics, you know, I was like, wow, her, lyric, her, her lyrical ability is interesting. 
So she's claiming that she's possessed, and that's the person who gives her utterance. Just like the Holy Spirit gives us utterance. Huh? Wiz Khalifa, and I, I just abhor this one. He glorifies being and staying high on marijuana, which undoes any principle your par or their parents have instilled in them. These are their false prophets. And these are the prophets that are leading them through the wide gate. Wiz Khalifa glorifies his weed smoking. You know, I saw a YouTube clip because, you know, my little brother, which, which, which you know, it, 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 it tore me up inside. He was looking at the YouTube clip because he was showing me, right? Because I, I try and, and stay on the level of my, you know, my little brothers because I want to reach them, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be their friend even though I'm a disciplinarian. And he's like, you know, come here, Michelle. Come, come here. Check this out. And he was, he was watching this YouTube clip of Wiz Khalifa storing weed in his socks, like a whole lot of weed in his socks, and smoking wee, uh, uh, cigarettes, weed cigarettes, you know, thick as, thicker than my finger. Blunts, exactly, yeah. And this is what my, my, my youngins, my young people, are being subjected to. This is what, this is what they're listening, are exposing themselves to. They're listening to, to, to the words of these false preachers, prophets, that are causing them to go down the, the wide gate. Telling them you can do whatever you want to do. It's your life. Have you ever listened to the lyrics of this little man called Little Wayne? Oh. Talking about it's your life. You do whatever you want to. You the king. You the god. You're your own god. These are their preachers. All these false prophets, they say the same thing. Do what you want, act how you want, talk how you want, live how you want. It's the devil's matrix. And a lot of us were in bondage in the devil's matrix. Many of us young people are bound. We're bound and we are headed in the wrong direction. But I have to let you know that that wide gate leads or equals destruction. But God's way, God's way leads to eternal life. God's way. Listen, eventually this wide gate will destroy your life. 
and not just eternally, but while you are here on this earth, I see so many addicts walking around. So many girls who have been used and abused and they feel empty inside. They don't know their value anymore because they've been around the block so many times giving up their bodies because the false prophet if you ever heard Nicki Minaj talk about herself and what she likes to do, and she does it proud, with pride, how she has this many men, and our young ladies are looking at these, these, these examples and exemplifying them, and at the same time, destroying their lives, destroying themselves emotionally, physically, Mentally, they look like lost zombies. They're indifferent. But let me tell you, God says, enter. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Enter by the narrow gate. The narrow gate, you will have life. And I'm ending right here. I'm done. My appeal tonight, I'm asking that if there have been, there was a person who has been, you know, just, they're all up in the wide gate. If you've been in the wide gate for so long, and you want to walk through God's narrow gate, let me tell you, the, the wide gate will abuse you. The wide gate will use you. The wide gate, it will just destroy you internally. But God, let me tell you, God wants you to turn the other way, to choose the red pill. He wants you to choose his blood. He wants you to choose the abundant life he can give you, the healing he can give you. Do you want to enter through that narrow gate? If you want to enter through that narrow gate, stand with me. I also want to appeal to that young boy or that young girl or that young lady, that young man. You've been on the outside of Christ for so long and you just want to come back to God. 
You want to enter through the gates he's offering you. And you want to give and surrender your life totally to him. I'm inviting you to come. Is there anybody? Anybody who wants to give their lives completely over to God? You've been just giving part of yourself, not whole, not, not your whole life to God. Praise the Lord. He gets sweeter Praise God. The day goes by. Is there somebody else who wants to take a bold step like this, dear sister, and give their all to God? Listen, he wants to give you abundant life. Abundant life. He wants you to have, he wants you to prosper in this earth right now for eternity. Listen, if you hear his voice calling your name, the Bible says don't harden your hearts, but come to him. Is there anybody else who wants to take a bold step like my dear sister here and take a step towards eternal life? Let me tell you, God, the angels are rejoicing for this young lady. I want to praise God and give God glory. Church, celebrate with us. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. It takes a lot. So I want us to bow our heads. Heavenly Father, you're such a caring God. You don't leave us to our own devices, dear God. But every day you call our names. Every day you seek after us. Sometimes we think that we seek after you, but no. We wouldn't seek after you lest you sought us first. And we just want to say thank you for your loving grace and your mercy. Thank you for that, that, that endless love. There's no height, there's no depth, there's no width to it. It's amazing love. And you've shown it to my dear sister right here by calling her name, Jesus. And I'm so glad that she said yes and said no to what the enemy has to offer her. And right now I pray, Lord God, that you may seal her decision. Seal her choice, oh God, to take the red pill, to choose the blood of Christ. I pray that you may heal her now. That you may reconsecrate her now, oh God. Renew her now, Jesus. Give her peace. Give her joy in knowing you, oh God. And I pray that the enemy may not have any jurisdiction in her life. Father God, but you may be a fence all around her. That you may lift up a standard against him. 
that greater is he that is in her than he that is in the world. So surround her now. Let her feel the warmth of your embrace. Let her feel your smile. Let her hear that you are rejoicing over her. You're singing over her. Let her know and understand your love for her, that it will never fail. And this goes for everyone, oh God, who chooses the narrow gate, who forsakes all for you, oh God. We thank you so much for just being God. We thank you, oh God, for speaking to our hearts. And I pray that it may have transforming power. It may not return to you void. We may be changed for your kingdom. This is our earnest plea. In Jesus' name we do pray and thank. Let the church say. Let the church say. Have you been blessed? I believe God, he is dying to do something in this church. And I'm encouraging this church. I'm encouraging every single person here. You may not think that you are able, but you know, God is available. You've seen tonight, I've seen the Spirit of God speak to us. And God is available. There's a revival right here waiting to happen in our city. And I'm encouraging, please, I'm encouraging you, bring your friends up. Young people need to hear this. They need to be a part of this. And I'm encouraging you. Do whatever it takes. Bribe them. Bring them out. They got to be a part of this. God is waiting to bestow a blessing. A blessing on your family, on your community. And we want our young people, our young girls, our young boys, our people to be engaged. Are you going to do your part? I'm going to do my part. I'm going to be calling up at least seven people. And I'm going to be pleading. Come on out. You need to hear the word. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we will let you out on time. We want a revival in our church. We want a revival in our families. I want to thank Pastor Michelle for just allowing God to use her. Amen. Let's give God the praise. Let us stand as we pray. Lord, we want to thank you for the praise team. We thank you for the choir. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one of us that came out today. We want to thank you for the preacher, Father. And I pray, Father, that you will continue to inspire her and empower her. 
as we go through this week, Lord, this week of the beginning of this series, Lord, I pray, Father, that you will touch each and every one of us as we bring our visitors out, Lord, that they will be blessed, that this come this time, Friday night, we will be able to see truly your goodness and your grace and your power. Lord, lead us now. We thank you, Lord, for all that we have received. And as we leave this place, help us to know that we're not leaving your presence, but you will tarry with us. You will be with us as we go to our separate homes. We pray, Lord, that you will grant us uh, a Sunday of rest, of work, and bring us back tomorrow evening where we will continue to praise your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Hug somebody before you leave.